chapter three of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three the promised confidence bestowed interesting narrative conjugal harmony renewed correspondence that nothing might interrupt the conversation which mrs major allen was quite determined should not be delayed she would not even suffer her daughter to appear at the breakfast-table the following morning but though the young lady was crying pretty lustily at the other end of the house ventured to assure her papa when he kindly inquired for her that she was fast asleep having set all things in such order that no further assistance from without could be required mrs allen thus began well major allen i have made up my mind not to let this blessed day pass over my head without writing to my dear niece mrs general hubert i have been looking over the paper again there is the whole account of her dress at full length which i quite forgot to show you my dear such taste such splendour don't you think my dear allen that it is our bounden duty to leave not a stone unturned that might help to place our dear child among such cousins as these we will leave neither sticks nor stones unturned as you call it my dear but the matter must be managed very judiciously there is no doubt in the world that the relationship is quite near enough to render our entering their circle perfectly natural and proper and considering all you did for that girl agnes it can hardly be doubted that she will welcome you with open arms she must be a monster indeed if she did not nevertheless strange as it may seem to you my dear creature there will be a good deal of caution necessary in the manner in which you introduce me to them mrs major allen put down the portion of buttered roll which she was in the act of raising to her lips and turned rather faint however as she by no means wished the major to guess what was passing in her mind she made an effort to recover herself which was as successful as such efforts always are and then she replied with great apparent composure well dearie you said i should know all about it to-day so get on there's a good man i am afraid of nothing not i so speak out and you shall never see me flinch you are a charming creature my love and deserve all the devoted attachment i have shown you now listen to me then and join your excellent judgment to mine as to the best mode of conquering the difficulties which lie in our way but first i must ask you if you have written at all to england since the death of o'donagough or since your marriage with me why no my dear to say the truth i have not replied the lady for to speak honestly i felt half afraid of being laughed at for the facility with which i suffered my former passion to regain its hold upon me you were right perfectly right i am exceedingly glad of this for reasons which i can easily explain to you then in fact dear you have never sent any letter to europe signed with my name nor any announcing your last husband's death no i never have and you never shall my darling returned the major in an accent of very ardent tenderness mrs major allen looked very much as if she wished to say why but she conquered the wish as she felt it deeming it best to let her husband tell his story his own way after a pause sufficiently long to permit his finishing his first cup of tea the major continued no my love never this declaration must i am sure astonish you though your sweet reliance on me will not permit you to say so believe me darling this noble confidence is not misplaced and the time will come doubt it not when you will thank me for the prudence which thus anxiously seeks to spare you all alarm the fact is my love that an affair of honour 
which ended fatally was the cause of my leaving england mrs major allen did not believe one word of this but she was an admirable wife and instead of contumaciously expressing any doubt meekly replied really yes my love my unerring hand sent the leaden messenger of death too truly and nothing but the conscientious conviction that the wretch who thus fell deserved his fate could console me for being the author of it as the major said this he concealed his agitation or at any rate his face by his extended hand leaving room however between his third and fourth finger to peep at the face of his wife and see how she bore it fortunately that excellent and intelligent lady perceived that he did so and immediately checked an inclination to smile which might have been disagreeably interpreted so instead of this she blew her nose and then said very gravely oh my dear there is no good in fretting and vexing about those kinds of things they must happen you know occasionally and to say the truth i did not think that any gentleman of your profession any military gentleman i mean would have thought much about it you are quite right my dear quite right in a general way but there were one or two very unfortunate circumstances attending this affair in the first place we had no surgeon on the ground this of itself you know though purely accidental on my part lays one open to the most abominable constructions then my adversary's second ran away stupid fellow as if any arm could have come to him in short i was advised by my lawyer himself as well as by all my military friends not to run the risk of a trial this sweetest is my history and now you will be at no loss to understand why i should never wish you to send a letter to your friends in england signed with the guiltless but unfortunate name of allen there was the struggle of a moment in the heart of mrs allen as to whether she should have the pleasure of telling the master of her destiny that she was a vast deal too clever to believe a single word of all he said or suffer him to lie his way unchecked out of the very disagreeable predicament in which she was pretty confident he was placed but luckily she remembered the weakness of a divided bundle of faggots and at the same instant determined at once to swallow whatever her spouse in his wisdom thought it convenient to administer and moreover to the very best of her power to make all others swallow it likewise you may depend upon it my dear i shall sign the letter i am going to write to my dear agnes with whatever name you bid me was the gentle and generous answer of mrs allen as soon as she had made up her mind to keep her cleverness to herself and perhaps she gave this promise the more readily from remembering as she spoke the name of agnes how very little honour either in her eyes or in those of general hubert that of allen was likely to confer on the young cousin she was about to announce to them even if unaccompanied by any of the adventures which she thought it possible might have become connected with it since they last had the pleasure of hearing it pronounced by her no man was ever blessed with a more charming wife than i am cried the major with sudden gaiety and probably well pleased at having got through the business of explanation so happily then after a moment's consideration he added why my dear should you not continue your late name of o'donagough upon my honour i have no prejudice whatever against it if you have not and the doing so might perhaps be less embarrassing for you than taking any other this proposition evidently took the lady by surprise and the manner in which she now looked up in the major's face was without any premeditation at all perhaps you have some objection to this my dear perhaps the name of allen is dearer to you than all others said the major oh i don't know i'm sure anything about that it would be foolish you know my dear to take fancies when we are talking about business 
replied his high-minded wife i only look so because i don't quite understand what it is you would be at am i to tell my niece and my nephew the general and my brother-in-law mr willoughby and all the rest of them that you are a relative of my late husband mr o'donagough by no means my love that must inevitably create confusion what i propose is merely that you should state yourself still to be the wife of the respected mr o'donagough himself but good gracious major how could i do that when we go back after every one of them has seen mr o'donagough and has been regularly introduced to him in person and besides she added somewhat in a lower key they have most of them seen you into the bargain true dearest true all quite true nevertheless i do not anticipate the slightest inconvenience from this i have had the honour to see some of your amiable relations certainly and i question not but they have also seen me they may likewise have seen your late estimable husband all this i grant you but it will make no difference whatever my love do not be uneasy about that it will give us no trouble worth naming i assure you i must confess that now you do puzzle me replied mrs major allen with great naivete and i don't know the least bit in the world what you mean major allen smiled with great complacency upon his charming wife as he answered my lovely barnaby you are without flattery one of the sharpest witted and most intelligent women i ever met with and it is only on points where nothing but experience and a more extended knowledge of the world has assisted me that i can assume any sort of superiority to you and even here you have only to open your own charming eyes a little in order if not exactly to overtake me at least to lessen the distance between us this business of identity dear love is a mere bugbear a man of any tolerable degree of talent snaps his fingers at it the late o'donagough was tall was he not yes replied mrs major allen succinctly and so am i my love this believe me is the only point of difference between man and man which is really of importance and even that may be greatly modified of course dearest i do not speak of cases of daily intimate intercourse this i know does create difficulty and yet here the major smiled and seemed to have some amusing anecdote at the tip of his tongue but he checked the wish to utter it and only said with a very matter-of-fact gravity neither mr o'donagough nor i were ever very intimate with these great folks whose favour you now wish to propitiate therefore on that score there can be no fear of mischief and now i want your opinion speak out dear have you any personal objection to this plan independent i mean of any fancied embarrassment in putting it into execution no i think not replied mrs major allen with considerable promptitude and sincerity of tone for during the major's last speech she had run over in her mind all the reasons which existed against her particularly wishing to introduce the father of her intended peeress as the major allen of clifton and had come very decidedly to the conclusion that she had much rather call him by any other name under heaven the major at once saw that whatever objections might in the first instance have occurred to his proposal were already removed and in the fulness of his contentment he gave his lady a kiss and once more called her his charming barnaby the mind of this charming barnaby was never idle and even in the short interval which had passed since the moment when she first fully conceived his project such a varied multitude of reasons had crowded one over the other into her active brain in favour of it that she was by this time quite as well pleased by the notion as himself many minor details however remained to be settled before they could act upon it 
but these were all discussed with the most laughing good-humour and such a multitude of droll lively things were said on both sides that it may be doubted if they had ever enjoyed each other's conversation more since the first happy hour of confidence at clifton when the major related the history of his former life the great question seemed to be whether major allen's transmutation into mr o'donagough should precede his departure from the colony or follow it in all letters to england it was of course to be immediate and it was easy enough to desire that all answers should be directed under cover to mr or mrs somebody but how were they to explain to their south welsh friends this singular metamorphosis if they decided upon its taking place immediately and what were they to say to their little daughter about it if they put off this alteration of her name and family till she was old enough to ask questions about it besides who could answer for it as her mother very judiciously observed that the little angel might not tell tales on the other side of the water without intending to do any more harm than a playful lambkin when it says ba hush said major allen holding up his forefinger as a signal that he desired silence his wife obeyed and they both were silent for at least five minutes he then altered his position in his chair setting an elbow firmly on each arm of it and fixing his eyes steadfastly on his fair lady's face delivered himself of the valuable result of these five minutes cogitation in a tone as decided and free from all the weak vacillations of doubt as if he had been listening to the voice of an oracle during the interval my dear love said he the thing lies in a nutshell you will find upon looking through a box of papers left by the late mr o'donagough a testamentary paper by which he bequeaths to you a small landed property in the south of ireland i say the south of ireland dearest because if the acquisition produces no visible alteration in our manner of living nobody will be surprised at it a small landed property in the south of ireland but bequeathed upon the condition that any husband whom you shall marry as well as all children whom you may have shall take and bear the name and arms of o'donagough the said estate to be forfeited if the said conditions be not complied with within one year after the bequest is claimed if you will leave me for a few minutes my dear i think i shall be able to find this document these last words were accompanied by a smile which brought the major's left moustache very nearly to the off corner of his left eye a conjunction of features that denoted a most happy and facetious frame of mind mrs major allen replied by a laughing and intelligent nod but said you must let me finish this beautiful bit of hot buttered toast first my dear i have almost burnt my eyes out to do it i remember the time major and not so very long ago either when it was no less a person than mrs general hubert this identical grand lady that we read of at court who knelt down before my fire to do this job for me mercy on me to be sure who ever would have thought of poor sophy's girl coming to the wife of a general and presented at court and what if you please is to prevent our girl from doing as well i'll answer for it she will be ten times handsomer than that pale-faced agnes ever was all she had in the world for her was her youth and her eyes i ask anybody to look at our martha's eyes and say if they don't beat those of agnes out and out and as to the article of youth which by the by i do think is very necessary to the making a really great match as to that you know my dear it will be our own fault if we do not let her begin early enough most assuredly was the satisfactory reply upon which the lady stood up swallowed her last mouthful in that attitude and with another sprightly nod prepared to leave the room stay one moment dearest said the major 
do you happen my love to have any of the late mr o'donagough's handwriting by you oh yes lots of it he was a great writer you know do you think you have got his signature dear most likely love i will go and rummage his old writing-desk so saying mrs major allen left the room and in a very few minutes returned to it with a handful of m s s here are all sorts here said she and a bushel more if you want them upstairs with plenty of signatures amongst them here's a sermon look and here's a calculation of odds about some horse-race he was such a queer man poor o'donagough i shall always think he was half mad very likely love there lay them down that will do perfectly well now you may go and write your letter if you will while i look through these papers in search of the document you know and now leaving major allen at one writing-table we must follow his lady to another the last letter mrs major allen had addressed to her niece agnes was from the fleet prison she remembered this and smiled mercy on me she exclaimed in muttered soliloquy what a deal has happened to us both since then little hussy she was then in the very best of her bloom and she made the most of it i suspect she was quite right in not coming to me ten to one she would have lost the proud colonel if she had and it is just because i see she is up to a thing or two that i will take the trouble of writing to her now little fox she was deep as deep and i don't think her aunt barnaby was such a very great fool either now then miss agnes let us see if i can't come round you if it answers if i can contrive to make her grandee's ship useful to my girl i know who will be the cleverest yet now for it then my dearest agnes i am not quite sure about that calling her by her name at first setting off agnes agnes thou art mine as the song says but that will only put her in mind of fifty things that it would be just as well she should forget i'll begin again my dearest niece i will not believe that the three short years which have passed since we parted can have sufficed to make you forget the nearest blood relation that you have in the world for unless a grandmother is nearer to us than a mother which i am sure no one in the world can think a real aunt your own dear mother's own sister must be nearer to you as a relation than all the aunt betsy's in the world let her be ever so rich agnes having proceeded thus far mrs major allen put her pen into the ink-bottle and there let it remain while she read and re-read this exordium yes that will do thought she that is just the right way to bring in her christian name familiarly then she resumed her pen and went on it would give me more pleasure in my distant home than anything else in the world if you my dear sister's own child would just give me a line now and then to tell me how you are going on and above all things whether you are as happy as i wish you to be short as the interview was it was a great pleasure to me to have got a sight of your dear father oh agnes how the sound of his voice did put me in mind of times gay happy times my dear child before you were born pray give my kindest sisterly love to him and tell him that he would do me the very greatest favour in the world if he would only write a few lines to me i am sure that if he will but turn a thought back to his pretty pretty sophie when she used to sing to him so sweetly he will not have the heart to refuse me 
i am sure my dear niece that you will be glad to hear that i am very happy and fortunate in my last marriage and moreover that at length you have a little cousin born a beautiful little girl she is i must say though to be sure a mother's judgment is apt to be partial but i really do think if you were to see your little cousin agnes you could not help being very fond of her she is so very clever and intelligent besides being so particularly beautiful that everybody who sees her takes notice of it i have called her martha after myself and my dear mother who was your grandmother you know my dear agnes god knows if circumstances will ever enable myself and my truly excellent husband to return to our native land i fear indeed that the chance is a very remote one but it would be a happy moment for me if i could show you and your dear father my child can't you fancy agnes what a pleasure it would be for me but it is no good to think about it at least for a great many years yet so many indeed that she would no longer be a little child you too my dear agnes may perhaps be a mother also if so you will be the better understanding my feelings about my darling little girl i enclose you a lock of its dear little hair by which you will see that it is as dark as mine and that already it curls naturally like yours though we are so many miles asunder i hope you will think of me and your little cousin sometimes i am sure she will be brought up to think often of you my excellent husband who is decidedly a person of the first consideration in the colony sends his affectionate compliments and his blessing to you and yours and with every good wish my beloved agnes for yourself and all who are dear to you i remain ever and for ever your most affectionate aunt martha o'donagough she was in the act of folding this letter when her husband entered the room he too had been far from idle and held in his hand the proof of it i have found the document my love said he with his smiling moustache here it is i shall immediately go and show it to everybody i know in the town and shall tell them that though i am by no means sanguine as to our ever deriving any benefit from the little out-of-the-way bit of property bequeathed by it i am nevertheless determined that our darling child shall lose nothing by any folly or indifference of mine i shall let them all know the authorities and all that henceforth for the sake of the chance it may give my dear little one i shall never call or sign myself by any other name than that of o'donagough this is a capital notion of mine depend upon it in many ways i really think it is said his wife examining the papers he had laid before her but good gracious major how very like you have made it look to poor o'donagough's writing i do declare i could no more tell them apart than i could fly how very clever you must be with your pen the major put his hand before his mouth caressed his moustache but said nothing and now read my letter to mrs general hubert will you major and tell me what you think of it you must leave off calling me major my darling remember that said the gentleman that will be difficult at first my dear replied the lady but i dare say i shall be perfect enough at it before the time comes for our going to england but do pray read my letter without further delay he did so and most cordially expressed his approbation the devil is in it my barnaby said he giving her a very hearty kiss if we cannot between us contrive to sail before the wind why here is a touch that is worthy of old talleyrand himself this blessing i mean that i send them down here in the corner 
of course i did not forget my dear that you were the reverend mr o'donagough when i introduced you to my family at parting it won't do to forget that you know upon my soul you are an angel he exclaimed and i do not believe the whole earth could furnish another woman to suit me as admirably as you do End of chapter three